Book 19, Chapter 1, Part 2 of the Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicola K. The Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 4, by Flavius Josephus. Translated by William Whiston, Book 19, Chapter 1, Part 2. Chaerea consented to this delay, and when the shows were exhibited, it was resolved to do the work the first day. But fortune, which allowed a further delay to his slaughter, was too hard for their foregoing resolution, and as three days of the regular times for these shows were now over, they had much ado to get the business done on the last day. Then Chaerea called the conspirators together, and spake thus to them, So much time passed away without effort is a reproach to us, as delaying to go through such a virtuous design as we are engaged in. But more fatal will this delay prove if we be discovered, and the design be frustrated. For Caius will then become more cruel in his unjust proceedings. Do we not see how long we deprive all our friends of their liberty, and give Caius leave still to tyrannize over them, while we ought to have procured them security for the future, and by laying a foundation for the happiness of others, gain to ourselves great admiration and honor for all time to come? Now while the conspirators had nothing tolerable to say by way of contradiction, and yet did not quite relish what they were doing, but stood silent and astonished, he said further, O oh, my brave comrades, why do we make such delays? Do not you see that this is the last day of these shows, and that Caius is about to go to sea? For he is preparing to sail to Alexandria, in order to see Egypt." Is it therefore for your honor to let a man go out of your hands who is a reproach to mankind, and to permit him to go after a pompous manner, triumphing both at land and sea? Shall not we be justly ashamed of ourselves if we give leave to some Egyptian or other who shall think his injuries insufferable to free men to kill him? As for myself, I will no longer bury your slow proceedings, but will expose myself to the dangers of the enterprise this very day, and bear cheerfully whatsoever shall be the consequence of the attempt. Nor let them be ever so great will I put them off any longer, for to a wise and courageous man what can be more miserable than that, while I am alive, any one else should kill Caius, and deprive me of the honor of so virtuous an action." When Chaerea had spoken thus, he zealously set about the work, and inspired courage into the rest to go on with it, and they were all eager to fall to it without further delay. So he was at the palace in the morning with his equestrian sword girt on him, for it was the custom that the tribunes should ask for the watchword with their swords on, and this was the day on which Chaerea was by custom to receive the watchword, and the multitude were already come to the palace, to be soon enough for seeing the shows, and that in great crowds, and one tumultuously crushing another, 
while Caius was delighted with his eagerness of the multitude, for which reason there was no order observed in the seating men, nor was any peculiar place appointed for the senators or for the equestrian order, but they sat at random, men and women together, and free men were mixed with the slaves. So Caius came out in a solemn manner, and offered sacrifice to Augustus Caesar, in whose honor indeed these shows were celebrated. Now it happened upon the fall of a certain priest that the garment of Asprenas, a senator, was filled with blood, which made Caius laugh, although this was an evident omen to Asprenas, for he was slain at the same time with Caius. It is also related that Caius was that day, contrary to his usual custom, so very affable and good-natured in his conversation, that every one of those that were present were astonished at it. After the sacrifice was over, Caius betook himself to see the shows, and sat down for that purpose, as did also the principal of his friends sit near him. Now the parts of the theatre were so fastened together, as it used to be every year, in the, fo in the manner following. It had two doors. The one door led to the open air. The other was for going into or going out of the cloisters that those within the theatre might not be thereby disturbed. But out of one gallery there went an inward passage, parted into partitions also, which led into another gallery, to give room to the combatants and to the musicians to go out as occasion served. When the multitude were set down, and Caria with the other tribunes were set down also, and the right corner of the theatre was allotted to Caesar, one Vatinius, a senator, commander of the praetorian band asked of cluvius one that sat by him and was of consular dignity also whether he had heard anything of news or not but took care that nobody should hear what he said and when cluvius replied that he had heard no news know then said vatinius that the game of the slaughter of tyrants is to be played this day but cluvius replied o brave comrade hold thy peace lest some other of the Achaeans hear thy tale. And as there was abundance of autumnal fruit thrown among the spectators, and a great number of birds that were of great value to such as possessed them, on account of their rareness, Caius was pleased with the birds fighting for the fruits, and with the violence wherewith the spectators seized upon them. And here he perceived two prodigies that happened there. For an actor was introduced by whom a leader of robbers was crucified, and the pantomime brought in a play called Cyniris, wherein he himself was to be slain, as well as his daughter Myra, and wherein a great deal of fictitious blood was to be shed, both about him that was crucified and also about Cyniris. It was also confessed that this was the same day wherein Pausanias, a friend of Philip, the son of Amintas, who was king of Macedonia, slew him as he was entering into the theatre. And now Caius was in doubt whether he should tarry to the end of the shows, because it was the last day, or whether he should not go first to the bath and to dinner, and then return and sit down as before. Hereupon Minucianus, who sat over Caius, and was afraid that the opportunity should fail them, got up, because he saw Caria was already gone out, and made haste out, to confirm him in his resolution, 
but Caius took hold of his garment in an obliging way and said to him, O brave man, whither art thou going? Whereupon, out of reverence to Caesar, as it seemed, he sat down again. But his fear prevailed over him, and in a little time he got up again, and then Caius did no way oppose his going out, as thinking that he went out to perform some necessities of nature. And Asprinus, who was one of the confederates, persuaded Caius to go out to the bath and to dinner, and then to come in again, as desirous that what had been resolved on might be brought to a conclusion immediately. So Chereas' associates placed themselves in order, as the time would permit them, and they were obliged to labor hard, that the place which was appointed them should not be left by them, but they had an indignation at the tediousness of the delays, and that what they were about should be put off any longer, for it was already about the ninth hour of the day, and Chaerea, upon Caius's tarrying so long, had a great mind to go in and fall upon him in his seat although he foresaw that this could not be done without much bloodshed, both of the senators and of those of the equestrian order that were present. And although he knew this must happen, yet had he a great mind to do so, as thinking it a right thing, to procure security and freedom to all, at the expense of such as might perish at the same time. And as they were just going back into the entrance to the theatre, word was brought to them that Caius was arisen, whereby a tumult was made hereupon the conspirators thrust away the crowd under pretense as if caius was angry at them but in reality as desirous to have a quiet place that should have none in it to defend him while they set about caius's slaughter now clavdivs his uncle was gone out before and marcus vicinius his sister's husband as also valellus of asia whom, though they had had such a mind to put out of their places, the reverence to their dignity hindered them so to do. Then followed Caius with Paulus Arantius, and because Caius was now gotten within the palace, he left the direct road, along which those his servants stood that were in waiting, and by which road Clavdivs had gone out before. Caius turned aside into a narrow passage, in order to go to the place for bathing, as also in order to take a view of the boys that came out of Asia, who were sent thence partly to sing hymns in these mysteries which were now celebrated, and partly to dance in the Pyrrhic way of dancing upon the theatres. So Chaerea met him and asked him for the watchword. Upon Caius's giving him one of his ridiculous words, he immediately reproached him and drew his sword, and gave him a terrible stroke with it, yet was not this stroke mortal. And although there be those that say it was so contrived on purpose by Chaerea that Caius should not be killed at one blow, but should be punished more severely by a multitude of wounds, yet does this story appear to me incredible, because the fear men are under in such actions does not allow them to use their reason. And if Chaerea was of that mind, I esteem him the greatest of all fools, in pleasing himself in his spite against Caius, rather than immediately procuring safety to himself and to his confederates from the dangers they were in.
because there might many things still happen for helping Caius's escape if he had not already given up the ghost, for certainly Chaerea would have regard not so much to the punishment of Caius as to the affliction himself and his friends were in, while it was in his power after such success to keep silent and to escape the wrath of Caius's defenders and not to leave it to uncertainty whether he should gain the end he aimed at or not and after an unreasonable manner to act as if he had a mind to ruin himself and lose the opportunity that lay before him but everybody may guess as he please about this matter however caius was staggered with the pain that the blow gave him for the stroke of the sword falling in the middle between the shoulder and the neck was hindered by the first bone of the breast from proceeding any further nor did he cry out in such astonishment was he nor did he call out for any of his friends whether it were that he had no confidence in them or that his mind was otherwise disordered but he groaned under the pain he endured and presently went forward and fled when cornelius sabinus who was already prepared in his mind so to do thrust him down upon his knee where many of them stood round about him and struck him with their swords and they cried out and encouraged one another all at once to strike him again but all agreed that aquila gave him the finishing stroke which directly killed him but one may justly ascribe this act to Chaerea, for although many concurred in the act itself, yet was he the first contriver of it, and began long before all the rest to prepare for it, and was the first man that boldly spake of it to the rest, and upon their admission of what he said about it, he got the dispersed conspirators together he prepared everything after a prudent manner and by suggesting good advice showed himself far superior to the rest and made obliging speeches to them insomuch that he even compelled them all to go on who otherwise had not courage enough for that purpose and when opportunity served to use his sword in hand he appeared first of all ready so to do and gave the first blow in this virtuous slaughter he also brought Caius easily into the power of the rest, and almost killed him himself, insomuch that it is but just to ascribe all that the rest did to the advice and bravery and labors of the hands of Korea. Thus did Caius come to his end, and lay dead by the many wounds which had been given him. Now Chaerea and his associates, upon Caius's slaughter, saw that it was impossible for them to save themselves, if they should all go the same way, partly on account of the astonishment they were under, for it was no small danger they had incurred by killing an emperor, who was honored and loved by the madness of the people, especially when the soldiers were likely to make a bloody inquiry after his murderers the passages also were narrow wherein the work was done which were also crowded with a great multitude of caius's attendants and of such of the soldiers as were of the emperor's guard that day whence it was that they went by other ways and came to the house of germanicus the father of caius whom they had now killed which house adjoined to the palace for while the edifice was one it was built in its several parts by those particular persons who had been emperors and those parts bear the names of those that built them or the name of him who had begun to build its parts
So they got away from the insults of the multitude, and then were for the present out of danger, that is, so long as the misfortune which had overtaken the emperor was not known. The Germans were the first who perceived that Caius was slain. These Germans were Caius's guard, and carried the name of the country whence they were chosen, and composed the Celtic legion. The men of that country are naturally passionate, which is commonly the temper of some other of the barbarous nations also, as being not used to consider much about what they do. They are of robust bodies, and fall upon their enemies as soon as ever they are attacked by them, and which way soever they go, they perform great exploits. When therefore these German guards understood that Caius was slain, they were very sorry for it, because they did not use their reason in judging about public affairs, but measured all by the advantages themselves received, Caius being beloved by them because of the money he gave them, by which he had purchased their kindness to him. So they drew their swords, and Sabinus led them on. He was one of the tribunes, not by the means of the virtuous actions of his progenitors, for he had been a gladiator, but he had obtained that post in the army by his having a robust body. So these Germans marched along the houses in quest of Caesar's murderers, and cut Asprinus to pieces, because he was the first man they fell upon, and whose garment it was that the blood of the sacrifice sustained as i have said already and which foretold that this his meeting the soldiers would not be for his good then did norbanus meet them who was one of the principal nobility of and could show many generals of armies among his ancestors but they paid no regard to his dignity yet was he of such great strength that he wrested the sword of the first of those that assaulted him out of his hands and appeared plainly not to be willing to die without a struggle for his life, until he was surrounded by a great number of assailants, and died by the multitude of the wounds which they gave him. The third man was Antaev, a senator, and a few others with him. He did not meet with these Germans by chance, as the rest did before, but came to show his hatred to Caius and because he loved to see Caius lie dead with his own eyes, and took a pleasure in that sight, for Caius had banished Antaeus' father, who was of the same name with himself, and being not satisfied with that, he sent out his soldiers and slew him, so he was come to rejoice at the sight of him now he was dead. But as the house was now all in a tumult, when he was aiming to hide himself, he could not escape that accurate search which the Germans made, while they barbarously slew those that were guilty, and those that were not guilty, and this equally also. And thus were these three persons slain. But when the rumor that Caiaph was slain reached the theatre, they were astonished at it, and could not believe it. Even some that entertained his destruction with great pleasure, and were more desirous of its happening than almost any other faction that could come to them, were under such a fear that they could not believe it. There were also those who greatly distrusted it, because they were unwilling that any such thing should come to Kiev, nor could believe it, though it were ever so true because they thought no man could possibly so much power as to kill Caiaph. These were the women and the children and the slaves and some of the soldiery, 
This last sort had taken his pay, and in a manner tyrannized with him, and had abused the best of the citizens in being subservient to his unjust commands, in order to gain honors and advantages to themselves. But for the women and the youth, they had been inveigled with shows, and the fighting of the gladiators and certain distributions of flesh-meat among them, which things then pretense were designed for the pleasing of multitude, but in reality to satiate the barbarous cruelty and madness of Caiaf. The slaves also were sorry, because they were by Caiaf allowed to accuse and to despise their masters, and they could have recourse to his assistance when they had unjustly affronted them. For he was very easy in believing them against their masters, even when they, the city, accused them falsely and if they would discover what money their masters had they might soon obtain both riches and liberty as the rewards of their accusations because the reward of these informers was the eighth part of the criminal substance as to the nobles although the report appeared credible to some of them either because they knew of the plot beforehand or because they wished it might be true however they concealed not only the joy they had at the relation of it but that they had heard anything at all about it these last acted so out of the fear they had that if the report proved false they should be punished for having so soon let men know their minds but those that knew caius was dead because they were partners with the conspirators they concealed all still more cautiously as not knowing one another's minds and fearing lest they should speak of it to some of those to whom the continuance of tyranny was advantageous and if caius should prove to be alive they might be informed against and punished and another report went about that although Caiaf had been wounded indeed, yet was not he dead, but alive still, and under the physician's hands. Nor was any one looked upon by another as faithful enough to be trusted, and to whom any one would open his mind, for he was either a friend to Caiaf, and therefore suspected to favor his tyranny, or he was one that hated him, who therefore might be suspected to deserve the less credit, because of his ill-will to him. Nay, it was said by some, and this indeed it was that deprived the nobility of their hopes and made them sad, that Caiaf was in a condition to despise the dangers he had been in, and took no care of healing his wounds, but was gotten away into the market-place, and bloody as he was, was making an harangue to the people. And these were the conjectural reports of those that were so unreasonable as to endeavor to raise tumults, which they turned different ways, according to the opinions of the bearers. Yet did they not leave their seats for fear of being accused, if they should go out before the rest, for they should not be sentenced according to the real intention with which they went out, but according to the supposals of the accusers and of the judges. But now a multitude of Germans had surrounded the theatre with their swords drawn. All the spectators looked for nothing but death, and at every one coming in a fear seized upon them as if they were to be cut in pieces immediately, and in great distress they were, as neither having courage enough to go out of the theatre, nor believing themselves safe from dangers if they tarried there. 
and when the Germans came upon them, the cry was so great that the theater rang again with the entreaties of the spectators to the soldiers, pleading that they were entirely ignorant of everything that related to such seditious contrivances, and that if there were any sedition raised, they knew nothing of it. They therefore begged that they would spare them, and not punish those that had not the least hand in such bold crimes as belonged to other persons, while they neglected to search after such as had really done whatsoever it be that hath been done. Thus did these people appeal to God and deplore their infelicity with shedding of tears and beating their faces, and said everything that the most imminent danger and the utmost concern for their lives could dictate to them. This brake the fury of the soldiers, and made them repent of what they minded to do to the spectators, which would have been the greatest instance of cruelty. And so it appeared to even these savages, when they had once fixed the heads of those that were slain with Esprinus upon the altar, at which sight the spectators were sorely afflicted, both upon the consideration of the dignity of the persons, and out of a commiseration of their sufferings. Nay, indeed, they were almost in as great disorder at the prospect of the danger themselves were in, seeing it was still uncertain whether they should entirely escape the like calamity. Whence it was that such as thoroughly and justly hated Caius could yet no way enjoy the pleasure of his death, because they were themselves in jeopardy of perishing together with him nor had they hitherto any firm assurance of surviving there was at this time one euaristus aruntius a public crier in the market and therefore of a strong and audible voice who vied in wealth with the richest of the romans and was able to do what he pleased in the city both then and afterward this man put himself into the most mournful habit he could although he had a greater hatred against caius than any one else his fear and his wise contrivance to gain his safety taught him so to do and prevailed over his present pleasure so he put on such a mournful dress as he would have done had he lost his dearest friends in the world this man came into the theatre and informed them of the death of caius and by this means put an end to that state of ignorance the men had been in aruntius also went round about the pillars and called out to the germans as did the tribunes with him bidding them put up their swords and telling them that caius was dead and this proclamation it was plainly which saved those that were collected together in the theatre and all the rest who any way met the germans for while they had hopes that Caius had still any breath in him, they abstained from no sort of mischief. And such an abundant kindness they still had for Caius, they would willingly have prevented the plot against him, and procured his escape from so sad a misfortune at the expense of their own lives. But they now left off the warm zeal they had to punish his enemies. Now they were fully satisfied that Caius was dead, because it was now in vain for them to show their zeal and kindness to him, when he who should reward them was perished. They were also afraid that they should be punished by the Senate, if they should go on in doing such injuries, that is, in case the authority of the supreme governor should revert to them.
and thus at length a stop was put though not without difficulty to that rage which possessed the germans on account of caius's death but Chaerea was so much afraid for Minucianus, lest he should light upon the Germans now they were in their fury, that he went and spake to every one of the soldiers, and prayed them to take care of his preservation, and made himself great inquiry about him, lest he should have been slain. And for Clement he let Minucianus go when he was brought to him, and with many other of the senators, affirmed the action was right, and commended the virtue of those that contrived it and had courage enough to execute it, and said that tyrants do indeed please themselves and look big for a while upon having the power to act unjustly, but do not, however, go happily out of the world, because they are hated by the virtuous and that caius together with all his unhappiness was become a conspirator against himself before these other men who attacked him did so and by becoming intolerable in setting aside the wise provision the laws had made taught his dearest friends to treat him as an enemy insomuch that although in common discourse these conspirators were those that slew caius yet that in reality he lies now dead as perishing by his own self now by this time the people in the theatre were arisen from their seats and those that were within made a very great disturbance the cause of which was this that the spectators were too hasty in getting away there was also one Elion, a physician, who hurried away as if to cure those that were wounded, and under that pretense he sent those that were with him to fetch what things were necessary for the healing of those wounded persons, but in reality to get them clear of the present dangers they were in. Now the senate during this interval had met, and the people also assembled together in the accustomed form, and were both employed in searching after the murderers of Caius the people did it very zealously but the senate in appearance only for there was present valerius of asia one that had been consul this man went to the people as they were in disorder and very uneasy that they could not yet discover who they were that had murdered the emperor he was then earnestly asked by them all who it was that had done it he replied i wish i had been the man the consuls also published an edict wherein they accused Caius, and gave order to the people then got together, and to the soldiers to go home, and gave the people hopes of the abatement of the oppressions they lay under, and promised the soldiers, if they lay quiet as they used to do, and would not go abroad to do mischief unjustly, that they would bestow rewards upon them for there was reason to fear lest the city might suffer harm by their wild and ungovernable behavior if they should once betake themselves to spoil the citizens or plunder the temples and now the whole multitude of the senators were assembled together and especially those that had conspired to take away the life of caius who put on at this time an air of great assurance and appeared with great magnanimity as if the administration of the public affairs were already devolved upon them end of book 19 chapter 1 part 2 recording by nicole k